Do you dread tax time because you haven't saved enough for taxes? Are you totally confused and lost about your business finances? Do you worry that you'll never be able to retire or save for your kid's college education? If you bury your head in the sand because you think you'll never be a money person, I want to let you in on a huge secret. All you need to manage your private practice finances are a simple series of skills that you can learn. After all, you already did the hard work of graduating from college, becoming a therapist, and starting your private practice. Hi, I'm Lindsay Bonham. I'm a therapist turned money coach and the creator of Money Skills for Therapists. I've helped hundreds of therapists just like you develop peace of mind about their money. I invite you to watch my free masterclass where I teach my four-step framework to get your business finances totally in order. In the masterclass, I cover the three biggest mistakes that therapists make that keep them from getting clarity on their private practice finances, the secret that most accountants don't want you to know, and why working with your mindset and emotions is essential to changing your patterns with money. This masterclass is for therapists and health practitioners who are running or about to start a private practice. It is the first step in learning about my signature course, Money Skills for Therapists. Register today with the link in the show notes to take the first step to go from money confusion, anxiety, and shame to feeling clear and empowered about your money. I look forward to supporting you. It's not just about raising your fees and earning more money. It's about showing up as a different human in the world, a different clinician, but also a different mom, a different spouse, a different friend, a different son or daughter. You have to be different to do this work. Welcome to the Money Skills for Therapists podcast, where we answer this question. How can therapists and health practitioners go from money shame and confusion to feeling calm and confident about their finances and get money really working for them in both their private practice and their lives? I'm your host, Lindsay Bonham, therapist turned money coach and creator of the course Money Skills for Therapists. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. Today, uh, we have our final episode of season five. That time has come. And I'm really excited that my guest for today is Tiffany McLean. You may know Tiffany as a clinical fee strategist for a therapist in private practice. Her mantra is full fees are the new black. Through her program, Lean In Make Bank Academy, she helps therapists ethically earn significantly more per month while seeing fewer clients and doing better clinical work. Tiffany, I think of her as the the fee person in our space. Like she really owns this space and she's um, been teaching uh, Lean and McBank since 2016, 17 uh, is back when I first uh, connected with her. Today, Tiffany and I get into why fees and, and money can be such conflicted, kind of a, a sometimes a tortured area um, for therapists, uh, something that can be really hard for us to talk about. We talk about people uh, literally fighting on her ads and arguing and winning each other over on her Facebook ads. <laughs> <laughs> if you see her Facebook ads uh, go by, you can uh, click on the comments. It's the most dramatic uh, comment section I've seen on Facebook ads, you know, in our space, in like the therapy health practitioner space. And I think the reason of that is fees are just such a loaded, loaded topic. Um, and people, you know, get so entrenched into our beliefs about fees and and what is fair and what is ethical and what is right and like what the role of therapy is supposed to be. Um, you know, fo- folks have a lot to say. And I think, you know, Tiffany and I get into today where a lot of that messaging has come from for us. We talk about 
being helpers um, and how that contributes to our role. Uh, and, and we also actually get into the topic of staying small, having folks in our life wanting us to be small, but also how sometimes maybe we can be invested uh, in our clients staying small when we don't do our own work around setting boundaries. Really enjoyable conversation with Tiffany today. I always love talking with her. Here is Tiffany McLean. So Tiffany, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. And folks who are listening, Lindsay and I talk all the time. So this is going to be like kind of podcast, kind of Lindsay and I talking all the time. Well, we did just like stop talking. We were like, okay, okay, okay. We would have to like do the thing. So this is, this is not a conversation about our children. This is not a conversation about uh, interior decorating. <laughs> we're going to talk about money. Okay. Yeah. Good. <laughs> I'm ready. Uh, so Tiffany, as I just mentioned, no pressure, but this is our season ender, season closer for whatever season I'm on. I think it's season five now. Wow. And so I'm really excited to have you here and have you back because you were on season one and it's been a minute. I can't believe it was so long ago that I was here. And seasons are pretty short. <laughs> season five is, this is good, consistent work. Way to go thank you. on your podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it, it's actually, I'm loving it. I'm loving it. I should have done this years ago. So Tiffany, folks probably know who you are, but do you want to like tell them a little bit if they haven't heard from you or heard of you somehow? What would be your like, your quick intro? Who's Tiffany McLean? What do you do? Who are you? Holy mackerel. Uh, I help therapists ethically raise their fees mm -hmm. so they can have uh, more money while seeing fewer clients and doing better clinical work. Mm -hmm. This is controversial. Therapists, if you're listening, you might be freaking out, but that's what I do. I really advocate on behalf of the therapists while you therapists and clinicians are advocating on behalf of your client. That's yes. my job. Yes. Okay. 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 Yes. And I will say you might've seen Tiffany's ads go by because I feel like your, your ads are everywhere. We were just talking about your ads. Uh, Christelle, my, my operations manager, she's, she's come up with a very bold International Women's Day and I was like, this is really bold. She was like, well, I was looking at what Tiffany does. And I was like, well, <laughs> Tiffany is Tiffany. You've got some really great ads out there. So folks have probably seen uh, those go by. And always interesting discussion on your ads too. I feel like you you have ads where people fight on your ads. People really fight. People um, attack each other. They attack yeah. my appearance. But also therapists come on and advocate for each other too. There are really thoughtful conversations um, even transformations happening in the comments of the ads, which I have never seen before <laughs> in other people's ads. So I feel really nope. excited. I'm proud of that. So, so with this, like, what do you think that's about? Like, what is it about this topic that is so, I mean, specifically around fees? Cause like, I also, I teach, we, we're both in the money space, but I'm teaching like skills and mindset and like, but you are, are talking directly about fees and there's something that is so, can be so activating about that for people. What do you think this is about? Why is this so loaded for us? I have spent, as you, you know, a lot of time thinking about this. And over the years, I have found that there are three factors that contribute to it being so hard for us therapists to charge fees or look at fees or even mm -hmm. talk about the sure. exchange of money between us and our clients. There was actually a psychologist. Her name was Ella Lasky back in the 1980s. And she did a, a survey of psychoanalysts, actually. Mm. Uh, and she was looking at this difficulty with money. And one of the things she found, especially for women, and I would also assert people of color, people from marginalized communities, but all therapists, regardless of that, number one, serve as the helper, mm -hmm. the role of helper in their family of origin. She found that they're more likely than their siblings to have been the one to mediate arguments, 
be highly attuned to what was happening with the other family members and make sure that everybody was being taken care of, yeah. uh, often to the neglect of their own emotional needs, wants, and desires. So if you're a therapist, that was likely the role you served. You're nodding, Lindsay. Is this familiar to you? Yes, Can you resonate? <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. I think most therapists were therapists long before we actually became trained and licensed. That's right. Uh, that's that's the role that we often played, you know, in, in some capacity, like whether it's peacemaker or a tuner or, you know, we already had that read on everybody's emotions and we're making sure that everybody was okay long before we actually went into the field. That Okay, so then we take that, right? Yeah. And then you go into a wider society. Again, back to especially if you're from a marginalized background, but even if you're from a working class background for generations. So first in your family of origin, you're the helper who's putting aside your needs for other people. Then you go into a wider society that's telling you, you don't actually deserve to make as much money as that person over there, right? Like the quintessential person who's allowed to make money in our society Mm -hmm. is not going to likely be you who's ever listening to this podcast. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so we're told that we need to be giving back first, making sure everything is, everybody's taken care of, making sure that we're helping our community, being accessible. Society is telling us then that we need to be putting our needs second, again, uh, and making sure everyone else is taken care of. So we get it in our family of origin. Then it's reinforced by a wider society. And then, of course, we go into the field of psychology or social work, where then it's the echo chamber reinforcing these very same ideas. So again, you'll hear from professors or colleagues, supervisors, things like, I didn't enter this field to make money. Your job is to be accessible. Um, It's unethical to be charging fees that so that some people in the world can't afford you. So you get in your family of origin, larger society, and then you go into the field of psychology where it's just battered at you. And so, of course, it's hard. Therapists come out of this condition to not want to think about money, not want to talk about money, not not even allowed to have the desire for money. Mm. And then they say, now do I say charge premium fees? And all hell is loose. Yeah. So there's like three layers of conditioning right there, you know, family origin, societal position, and then the actual field itself that just weighs down on us. Absolutely. Right. Yes. I, I, yeah, I, that absolutely resonates with me. As you were talking, I was like, I have definitely talked about all these things. So I think you and I, like we are, we're preaching from the same songbook, you know, for people who are listening then it's like, if they've gotten past the point of, you know, because we're talking about this hurdle of being able to even say, I, I need money, I want money, like I want to be okay. When people have started to do some of that work and they're starting to think about like, okay, maybe my fee does need to be different than what it is. Often I think people know when it's not working, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what I see in money skills so often is it's like, it's like if, if you are having a hard time paying your bills at home, <laughs> There's no savings for the future. We often know that pain point of like, it's not working, right? So when we're starting to think about how to make it work and we're starting to think about a fee, how do we actually figure out what a fair fee even is trying to balance our values and our needs? Yeah, I love that. So I I love also that you highlighted this pain point. So therapists, I I spoke a few weeks ago with a social media manager who works with therapists who's not in the field. Mm-hmm. And she was telling me about what she did. And she said, what did she say? I said, I asked her, why did you choose to work with therapists, given that this is not, you know, you're not a therapist. Mm-hmm. And she said something like all the reasons she loved working with therapists. But then she said, therapists, something like they take more than any other professional I've ever met. They just, oh, no, put up. They put, oh, put up, up with, with more. more. Yes. And I was like, oh, wait, what do you mean? And she's like, the therapists will just scrimp and save and take 
they'll take so much shit. Yes. Folks, before they realize like, oh, maybe something needs to change. That opened my eyes because I'm a therapist and I know that. But then again, to hear it from an outside professional was like, wow, that's right. And so I love, Lindsay, that you pointed out, it takes a lot for therapists to start recognizing, oh, something needs to change with money. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not able to save anything for the future, or I can't even pay my bills. Like when it gets that extreme, then sometimes therapists start having some alerts go off. Oh, oh. So when that happens, the first thing I recommend, I recommend three steps. The first thing I recommend is that you make space for the feelings. Mm -hmm. Because when you're in a space where you're really trying to help people and you've done everything right, according to what you've been told, and then you're still not even able to pay your bills or you're not taking lunch breaks because you're just seeing back to back to back clients. Yeah. Uh, once you start acknowledging that, it can be very shameful. Yeah. There might be guilt or anxiety about recognizing that you might want to do something different. It's just, there's so many feelings involved. And so before we do anything, I encourage therapists to acknowledge and make space for all of the feelings that arise in this situation. Yeah. The second thing, the feelings don't go away, folks. So I'll say, keep doing that for the rest of these two and three steps. Right. Number two, therapists have to get into reality. And therapists, when it comes to money, you know this, Lindsay, because you work with therapists around money. They avoid it. You got to get real about what you need. We have a calculator. We can link to that in the show. People can go to leaninandmakebank.com forward slash fee calculator. And we actually walk therapists through step-by-step their monthly expenses, their dream expenses. So not just like, here's what I need to get by and suffer, but also what do I need for clinical supervision? What do I need to be able to have enough time to write that book I want to write? What do I need to take a vacation every quarter for a week? Right? Like the dream along with the needs. And then- We also have therapists go through in your ideal world where you have energy uh, to show up, where you're excited to do the work you want to do. How many people are you actually seeing a day? Yes. How many days are you actually working a week? So we have people do all of that work in this calculator. And then we spit out, here's the fee you need to be charging. Mm -hmm. If you want to have a life that really allows you to show up fully for yourself and your clients and whatever relationships you value. That's number two. The third step, once you do that, it's phone a friend. You got to phone a friend because if you often, <laughs> if you do that calculator right, you're going to have a large discrepancy likely between what you're currently charging. Yes. Maybe that's a $70 you're taking from an insurance panel or you're doing 125 or maybe even charge like 180, but that's like one person and the rest pay like 110, right? There's, yeah, yeah. there's likely going to be a large discrepancy between what you need and where you're currently at. And in that moment, I encourage you to call uh, someone it doesn't have to be a therapist. Maybe even I'd encourage it not to be a therapist. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Someone who uh, wants you to do well. Someone who is excited by the possibility of you earning more and having mm. more luxury and having mm. more joy and more financial freedom. Call that person and walk through the results of your calculator and what the fee came out to be and let them know how you're feeling mm. at this point. You know, it's so interesting, Tiffany, when you say that. And I don't know if this is like if our, you know, if my listeners are gonna have this response too, but I was thinking about, I don't know if everybody has that person. Um, like I think when you've been the helper, I mean, you should have that person. I <laughs> that's the next step. If you don't have that person, uh, go make that friend. Go to a cafe and find that friend. Because I think when you have played that helper role, so like when you're really entrenched in it, like when you really live and breathe it, and when that's who you are in your family and that's who you are in your work. That's often also who you are in your friend group. And I think you and I have both, you know, I I know we have because we've talked yes. about this over the years, 
had, you know, these experiences where we do have to kind of shift and find those people because we have actually built relationships where people are like, well, unconsciously, I actually feel more comfortable when you stay small. Yes. Uh, and so I am actually going to probably not validate these things and not want you to have luxury because there's something about that that's serving me. And so I'm just thinking about that of just like how much this conditioning generalizes into our life and makes it hard to make these changes because, you know, it makes me think about kind of like family of origin. Like there, there's a metaphor kind of about family therapy. I do not do family therapy, by uh-huh. the way, for people listening, you're going to be like, oh, she's butchering it. But there, there's kind of a metaphor of like a family, like a mobile. And when one person tries to move, everybody else also shifts and tries to keep you in that fixed position. Cause it's like, no, 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 this is your role. This is who you are. And I think that happens too in the other relationships that we build, right? Like folks try to keep us in place. So just curious about your thoughts about that. Like what what do folks do if they realize that that's a case or like, what, what are your thoughts on all of this, these relationships that we build in these patterns sometimes? I love that you bring that up. Uh, it's super on point. You've talked, we've talked about it amongst each other. Mm-hmm. I'll say two things. I think the lack of community is one of the things that motivated me to start my program because I was wanting to talk about fees, understand what was going on interpersonally. And I looked around and the messaging I got was, don't charge. It's scary. Don't talk about money from even my supervisors. Mm-hmm. Everywhere yes. I looked, I got that. Yes. And so, you know, being a helper, I'm like, I'm not just going to help myself. I'm going to create a whole entire business where <laughs> therapists do not have to be alone with these kinds of conversations. Yes, yes, yes. I think that's the first thing. So if if this is something, if you're listening to this podcast and you're like, I don't have anyone, come work with us because mm-hmm. we have a whole mm-hmm. lot of people who have learned to have these conversations in an honest powerful, clinically appropriate way. Yes. The second thing that came to mind is, you know, sometimes in the comments of talking about the ads I put out there for the business or the program, sometimes therapists say, well, just raise your fees. What's the problem? Mm. Because of the exact thing you're talking about, Lindsay, that's the problem. Our fees are a projection or I like to talk about money as a canvas, right? So we can, we can project all of our thoughts, feels, anxieties, Mm. and all of our existing patterns we play out in money. Mm -hmm. So raising our fee often isn't just about raising our fee. It's about addressing these relationships you're talking about, Lindsay, where we're the caretakers. We sacrifice ourselves. Other people have come to rely and depend on us for that. And if we shift, whether it's with our clients or our spouses or our family, it's disruptive to everyone Mm -hmm. around us. Mm -hmm. And without having a clear community a step-by-step system, a place with people and a container. We have a year-long container. So a container where as you make these shifts, you can come back for help as other air people and things in your life start to shift. Yeah, It's not just about raising your fees and earning more money. It's about showing up as a different human in the world, a different clinician, but also mm. a different mom, a different mm-hmm. spouse, a different friend, a different son or daughter. You have to be different to do this work. Yeah. That's so true. And that's so profound. And I mean, it makes me think about when I found you going back, where are we now? We're in 2023. Would have been in 2017 that I found you. I was so hungry for that community and to be with people who are like, let's be therapists. Also, let's own our gifts and take up space and like talk, you know, for me, I'm like, let's talk about money. Um, That's something you and I shared back then. I flew across the continent to go be with those people. And that's still my community of peers. Like, you know, I'm, I'm planning a trip to San Francisco this year because it's like, 
you're in San Francisco. Annie writes in San Francisco. Like Megan's just a little bit north. Megan Meganson. Like these people that I connected with through being connected with you have become my peers who have cheered me on and like taken up space with me, right? Because I think a lot of my, well, literally all of my peers couldn't come with me mm-hmm. on that journey. Mm-hmm. It's like I, I picked a different road. And like, I think that is the power of that community. So if, you know, if you're listening and you're hungry for this, like Tiffany's program provides that, you know, if you're looking more for the skill side of things, my program provides that, like get with your people because it does take months and months and years of work to undo, you know, this conditioning that that we've received <laughs> family of origin society and in our, in our professional training, like it really is deep ongoing work that is so much easier when you're walking along some people who are doing it as well. Yeah. I even felt, I don't know if you felt it. I felt a little grief as you were talking because there was a lot of grief as well to say goodbye to these patterns often means saying goodbye to relationships because we're changing and it's intolerable to other people. Mm -hmm. So even those kinds of things, this is why back to the original question of why is it so hard to talk about? Because often shifting the ways we relate to money and our desire and ourselves, Mm. uh, taking up space, like you said, Mm -hmm. means there are people who no longer want to be in relationship with us. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's a big change. And it's often, there's often a lot of mourning involved. For sure. Yeah. And, and I will say too, there's people that we no longer want to be in relationship with either because they don't want us to be (laughs) correct. (laughs) This new version of ourselves. And I've, I've had those kinds of discords over the last few years where it's like, Every time I hang out with this person, I feel small Mm, again, mm, right? Or I feel mm. bad or I feel like I should be hiding my success. And then it's like, right, I actually, I don't want to feel that way. So I need to make a choice to no longer. And yeah, there, there is a lot of grief there. Absolutely. So thinking about fees, like I know some, some folks listen to this podcast and it may be you listener struggle (laughs) with scarcity and this feeling like there isn't enough. There aren't enough clients, like maybe their caseload's not full and they see those empty spaces on their caseload. I'm reading their thought bubble right now. And I think one of the thoughts in that thought bubble would be like, why would I even think about raising my fee if I can't fill my caseload at the more affordable fee Mm. that I have right now? Like, isn't that kind of putting like the carriage before the horse? Why would they be thinking about raising their fee if they're still trying to fill their practice or get the referrals that they haven't been able to get yet? Yeah. It's so counterintuitive. It's so counterintuitive to be charging $115 per session and then have someone come tell you, actually, you should be charging based on your own calculations, mm-hmm. yeah. $180 per session. Mm-hmm. So let's work on raising those fees with your current clients and any new clients you call. What? Like, it's just, it's almost unthinkable. Mm-hmm. And on the other side of things, in the years I've been running this program, one of the most difficult things that I see therapists going through is when they did the marketing first Mm. and got an entire caseload of people at a fee that was too low. Mm -hmm. And now they're realizing, oh, I'm seeing, I really hope it's not 40, but it could be 40 people a week, but let's say it's even 25 or 30 people a week. And they're still overwhelmed, more overwhelmed, uh, totally burnt out, resentful, feel so relieved when a client cancels, aren't enforcing the cancellation policy, aren't going on vacation, right? They're now in a place where they feel trapped by the caseload they worked so hard to build, and they're still nowhere near being able to pay their bills or pay off their loans or save for retirement, life insurance. And heaven forbid, you know, sometimes therapists often, if they're in a romantic relationship, married, let's say, Mm -hmm. they kind of put off the reality of these things because they have a spouse. Yes, We've had people in our program for whom their spouse has passed away 
or a health condition has happened and suddenly they're the primary breadwinner, right? So really if therapists are avoiding taking these things seriously, it can put us in a difficult position. Mm. So therapists will come to us and say, I really, I realize I need to raise my fees. I can't do this anymore. I just get goosebumps, but I, I don't know how to raise fees now with these 25 people who I'm already working with. I wish I could just start with new fees, but I don't even have room to take anyone new, Mm -hmm. much less market, much less do anything else I need to do to take care of myself. So I, we can help people. Those are, those are most of the people who come into our program. Mm -hmm. The people who are in a sometimes luckier are the folks who join the program. Maybe, maybe they only have five or 10 folks. Then they can raise their fees with those five or 10 folks. And guess what? They're now, maybe they are only seeing five folks, but they're charging 200 per hour which gives them enough income to then have time to understand how to really market Mm. to clients who can afford premium fees and also who they have to be as a therapist to have a conversation with somebody such that that client is confident to say, yeah, I want to pay this therapist or I'm going to make a sacrifice to pay this therapist $200 because I truly believe they can help me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If a therapist is seeing 28 clients burnt out, overwhelmed, frustrated, stressed, financially insecure, and someone calls them on the phone, all of that is conveyed. Yes. All of that comes through in those, no matter what marketing you're doing, yeah. you're unconsciously communicating, please, I can't take any more. Right. The potential away. new clients and the clients you're even seeing right now. They feel yes, it. Yes, right. Yeah, yeah. So like, I mean, part of what I'm hearing here is like, if you can build a machine that works in the first place, like build yes. a practice that's actually gonna meet your needs. Because when we do build those practices at like super low fees, and I remember those days, I don't remember, I don't know if you ever went through this when you were building your practice, but I remember those days where it's like, will you be my client? Will yeah. you be my client? Okay, you have a problem I've never dealt with before. That's fine. I can learn how to do, you know, like I'll, I'll look up how to do gender affirmation. Like I'm like looking up stuff that is like so not in my like clinical yes. realm because it's just like this, there's desperation that can happen there, right? And that's when we're setting our fees from that place, we can build a practice where the math will never work. Yes. The math will never work. And when you're yes. saying like, you said 40 and then you said only 20 or 30, I'm like, even that makes you want to yeah. lie on the floor and cry. Me like too. that's so, so much emotional labor. Like it's so much profound work that you are doing. I, I think it's, there's very few therapists who can thrive at that level of caseload. And those who do tend to be people who have super, superhuman levels of energy. And maybe you could like take up rowing or something instead, you know, like they could possibly channel some of that energy into a hobby. Yes. But yeah, when you build it so it doesn't work, you're you're never going to be okay. I love this piece. And I feel like this is a piece that I've heard you talk about more and more over the last few years of like the clinical excellence part of like when you charge a fee that makes you have to show up differently, like you're actually a better clinician. Can you speak more to that or talk about some examples of what that has looked like for your students? I certainly can. I'm going to just be talking about our Facebook ads all day long because there's so much learning that happens there. (laughs) There was a therapist who came on. This is disgraceful. He said about the ads. And he said, I make 400000 and I take insurance. First of all, someone checked. They're like, there's no way that math adds That's up. Let's start with that. Impossible math. Okay, yeah. But someone asked, how many people are you seeing? So this conversation is going back and forth. And he said something like 40 clients a week. What? So, uh, and I think, and someone added up like, even if you saw 40 clients a week for 52 weeks with this insurance rate, you're still yeah. not making enough. So you're taking yeah. no time off. So we can all see in those egregious examples. Yeah. If you are seeing... 25 or 30 people a week, you're not making enough money yourself. Mm -hmm. You're not examining your own needs 
the boundaries that you would have to take on to be able to have those conversations to actually make sure you're advocating for your needs. As much as you want to believe you're helping your clients do that in their own life, I assert that you actually are missing something and you can't fully help your client do a thing that you've never been willing or able to do in your own life. As therapists start taking the risk to see what they really need to be charging, feel all, I'm getting goosebumps again, feel all the loss and mourning and fear that comes with making that change in their own life. They start shifting in their clinical work, uh, being able to challenge their own clients more, really being able to go to emotionally vulnerable places when their clients are struggling with setting boundaries or making changes they're able to show up more fully in a way that they're never able to do. Therapists listening, you're not actually able to show up fully when you're cutting out this whole part of your own unconscious process and saying, I'm not going to look at those boundaries or my own needs in this fundamental way. Totally. Yeah. And it makes me think about how even just on a very almost obvious level, when we're working in such a way that we can go home and have the energy to have like a great date with our partner or have some great sex or go away to a spa with friends. Like we show up the next day with spark, right? Like that lights us up as humans. And then we're actually maybe practicing what we preach a little bit. Right. And like those days where it's just like, you have actually like lived life and you're actually sometimes able to clinically even bring that in and like talk about something that suddenly has real meaning because you have been applying it in your life. Mm. Right. Or you have had, you know, an experience, you're not telling somebody what to do while, you know, like working eight clinical hours a day, going home, binging on Cheetos, passing out. Right. Like that that never feels good when we're out of alignment. Yes. And so even from that direct level, like we all know that we do better clinical work when we're happy. Yeah. Right. And when we're actually living life, like there's so much integrity there. But I also love this whole piece. You know, and being friends with you over the years, I've I've become more acquainted with psychoanalytic language because you and I live, we're in different therapy uh towers. Yeah. I live in the like uh trauma EMDR parts work tower. Uh, and you're in the psychoanalytic tower, but like, yeah, all of these disowned things, right? Like if we're not even willing to think about taking a risk and think about our own needs and have hard conversations, yeah, how how can we really be authentically helping our clients do that work? And how can we really actually understand what we're asking them to do mm-hmm. when we are coaching them to do those same things? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. A hundred percent. There's also something about the projections, speaking of the kind of the psychoanalytic world and other modalities as well. Mm-hmm. When therapists say, I'm, I'm in a conversation, I have email conversations. If you all email me, I'll probably email you back. So I'm having this long, over like the period of a week, yeah. conversation with a therapist who's saying, she's not in the program. She's like, I can never raise fees with existing clients. And we're going back and forth about it. Mm-hmm. And even that, I haven't asked her this yet. I may or may not, but the assertion, if you're out there listening to this podcast and you said, I can, you're thinking, I can never do it when I can never raise fees more than five or $10. My hunch is there's a lot of your own over identification, mm-hmm. your own projections. Mm-hmm. You're basing that on your own life, not the actual lived experience of the mm. person sitting across from you. Yes. And even the, even in that statement, I could never raise fees or I have to be accessible. You're already cutting off the potential of the person across from Mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. You're cutting off the possibility that they could find other ways to make money, that they may already have money somewhere, that they can actually grow and change and make a different 
professional choice so that they could afford mm -hmm. to pay more in therapy. We're we're limiting them because of our own fears, anxieties, and projections, likely about relationships where we're playing in our own family of origins. Now we've brought them here and we're playing them out with our clients as well. Spot on, spot on, Tiffany McLean, as usual. Like I, the thing that that makes you think about too, an adjacent piece to that is like, we really are in that way treating our clients like victims. Yes. It's like, absolutely. Do you actually believe that your clients can solve problems, grow, change? And and I've talked about this with my students before, because I'll even see this come up in money skills where people are like, well, I can't come to calls ever because I have a client on Tuesday at one o'clock. And I'm like, okay, well, the client, have you asked them about changing times? Like, you know, but it's like in that, here's the belief. The belief is my client is so inflexible. They have no other availability. They're they're so tied to this specific time with me that it would be damaging to our relationship for them to realize that I have other things that I do <laughs> that might come into this time. Like it's such a, a limited view of your client. And like what I try to remind my students of is like, your client actually might be relieved. They might mm. actually have been hoping to see you at four, but they think that one's the only time you have available, right? There might be a different day that works better for them anyways, right? We make such limited stories. And I think so much of that is as therapists, we sit with our clients like in their vulnerability, mm. in their trauma, in their shame. Like we are experiencing such specific parts of them and we don't see them when they're like kicking ass and getting a raise at work or when they're like really good at board games or when they tell a really funny joke and everybody at the table laughs. Like we don't see those moments in their life where they're like shining and feeling strong because that's not what generally the content that we're talking to them about. But they have those parts. And if we don't acknowledge that our clients can solve problems and grow and change and as you say, even make like big career shifts and take up more space in their own life, there's an inherent limitation to the work that we're doing with them because Maybe, maybe Tiffany, part of us wants them to stay small. Yeah. Holy. Okay. Let's stop. Let's pause on this for a minute. Wow. Wow. Can you wax philosophical about that for another second? Well, I think, you know, okay, this is a new idea. So we're going to, we're going to talk it out. But I do think that when we, when we're really married to this idea of like, people really need me, they need me to solve these problems. We are invested in them not changing and growing, right? Like, it, you know, another language around it, I think, would be codependency. Mm -hmm. We want to be needed. Mm. And unconsciously, we might be committed to the idea that they shouldn't change and grow. That we, you know, this is what makes us feel comfortable. This is the role we're comfortable playing. And if our role is helper, then, and if we can't imagine ourselves being in any other role, I think unconsciously we're going to put other people in our life into the role of being helped, right? Wow. The dependent. Yeah. And if we are so committed to that role of helper and we cannot do the work to step outside of it and to expand and be excited about being other things in our world, I do wonder if that is going to contribute to relationships where we don't want our clients to go away and we don't want our clients to have a breakthrough and graduate from therapy and maybe even do work that we haven't been willing to do on ourselves yet. Wow. As you're talking, this is fascinating. This is wild. You're making me think about the students who come into our program. Often when therapists come into our program, they are seeing their own therapist on a sliding scale. Yes. Yes. And one of the changes that a lot of men are making to their sometimes a lot of a lot of grief around it, sometimes relief is they end up finding a new therapist who charges more. Yeah. And when therapists start talking to their own sliding scale therapist about the changes they're making in their own practice, 
often their therapists, sometimes they're encouraging and that's great. Often they're encouraging them to keep their fees low, stay at their agency jobs, don't go into private practice. So this phenomenon you're talking about, I, I was as you're talking, I'm, I was thinking, is that really true? Would therapists really? Yes. Therapists literally to each other have discouraged them from making changes in their life that would improve their own financial situation. I would encourage our listeners to really take some time to think clearly about whether this dynamic may be going on, mm. whether this is going on with your own clients and patients, folks. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think too, you know, an adjacent piece here is scarcity, right? So when we have fear of like, I won't find more clients, there is going to be parts of us that are invested in our clients just sticking around for Mm, years, right? And as a clinician, something I used to say to my clients is like, my job is to get you out the door. Mm. I want you to leave. I like you a lot. And also I'm successful when you don't need me anymore, right? And I think I would have that conversation openly because I wanted to make sure that we were not fostering a dependence, mm-hmm. right? That like we had the goal of them going. And I do, you know, that's I that's also a value that I have. And I don't know how you feel about the work you do, but I actually have that value too in the work that the money skills work that I do, right? Like this is why I don't offer endless coaching and like recurring programs, even though I have folks that I love to work with and I know who would like to work with me on a repeating basis. Like I want to give you the skills that you jump out of the nest and you soar away and I'm like, bye-bye, <laughs> right? Like I want other people to also be big, but I think it's through doing the work on myself mm. and being okay with myself taking up space and doing continued work to be, keep pushing those growing edges out further and further that allows me to want my students to even grow beyond what I have accomplished. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it, you know, there's, there's work that has happened there. I'm I'm curious, like, how how do you, do you have a relationship to that piece? I'm the opposite because I'm psychoanalytic. So I'm like, I want to, I want to see my analyst two times a week at $325 for the rest of my life or hers. Hopefully the rest of her life because she's much older than me and not the rest of my life because I'm going to have a problem. Uh, And that may change actually. I'm sure as things change, I will leave her, but I don't want to even imagine it. So mm. it's definitely a different modality. Interesting, yeah, and different I'm modality. Yeah, thinking about even like currently, I offer. I don't offer a forever program. Yeah, but seeing, I'm thinking about offering something that goes on until I'm ready, like you said, to grow and change, because it's so hard to find continued community that is doing this work in this deep way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I often have therapists say this in this program was the only place I found a community mm-hmm. that is doing this, mm-hmm. and in fact. I've, I went to the limb community today. It's in the mighty network. And I saw Texas live meetup, California zoom meetup. So even seeing them, they are continuing on yes. their own. Yes. And if there's a way that I can continue to create a container that folks can continue to do this work, I haven't come up with it. I don't know if I can, but if I could, I would. Well, and that is one of your superpowers for sure is community building, like creating the space where folks can build community. I think like you are, you're the best, Tiffany, I think in our space, I think that you are the best of that. So I think I also, to give credit where credit is very, very due, I know you're very, very good at that, at fostering those spaces for folks to make those connections. Thank you for saying that. And I think I've, I've still, I, you know this, Lindsay, I have a, a son in preschool now. And I'm like, I don't know how to bust into this community. How do I make friends? So really, I do think that there's a a, a creating, a continuing to create a space that I want. Sure. And I can do it here and help other people do it as well. And therapists, it's very difficult for us to have a space where we can 
not only feel supported and seen, Mm. but give and take critical feedback Mm. to help us grow. That's a, that is a thing that I really emphasize and that I've really worked on cultivating. Yeah. Just like I want our therapists to do with your clients, folks. Yeah. I want us to be able to do it with each other. Colleagues. Have hard conversations. Yeah. Yeah. Tiffany, Tiffany, this has been really wonderful. Thank you. Thank you so much uh, for joining me again on the podcast today. If folks want to find you, if they haven't already, where is the best place for them to connect with you? I'll give folks two places. Because you're listening to a podcast right now, I encourage you to search The Money Sessions Mm -hmm. wherever you listen to podcasts. I no longer create that podcast, but there are something like 80 episodes where you can hear therapists literally having these conversations uh, that Lindsay and I are talking about, how they implemented these things in their own practices and the difficulty of it and the challenge and the other side of it. You can go hear those stories today. And if you are in the place where you're saying, I I hear you, what you all are saying, I, I think I want to take the step, but I'm not sure. I encourage folks to check out our free workshop. You can go to leaninmakebank.com forward slash workshop. And you can check out that workshop there. Awesome. Thank you, Tiffany. Thanks. Something that I uh, appreciate so much about Tiffany, and I was thinking about it, you know, before we recorded as a, you know, as Tiffany, I talked about Christelle, my, my operations and uh, marketing coordinator. And I were talking about her just before Tiffany and recorded, like she's so bold and unapologetic in her assertion that therapists deserve to be more than okay. And that does bring up kind of this conflict around her. I just really admire and love how she doesn't waver. Like she's just really, (laughs) she's on your side, therapists and health practitioners who are listening. Like she wants you to be more than okay. And I know that internally we can have parts of us that, you know, really get cut up and, and worried and guilty and unsure about what we deserve or what's okay and, and accessibility. And like, these are things where I think there's lots of space to have nuanced conversation, but I just always appreciate how Tiffany at the end of the day, is just so clear that therapists deserve to be paid well for this work that we do and that it's valuable work. And that when we do step into a fee that meets our needs, it actually allows us to do the work better. Just so, so grateful to Tiffany for um, the work that she's done in our space. And it's, you know, you get to decide what you need. Like she said, like there is no fee. Uh, you can go check out her fee calculator. It's it's a really great tool. Uh, I think it was leaninmigbank.com slash fee calculator. Uh, check out that tool. Uh, the number that you get is going to give you some idea of, well, it's going to tell you what you need and that's going to look different for everybody. Some people may find that that number is $300 an hour. Other folks, if you're living in a more affordable place or if you have a, you know, a joint income situation where you are not the main breadwinner in your family, it might be a much lower number and it might be a number that's quite close to where you are. But getting clear about that number and, and taking those steps to actually have your needs met, it's very powerful work. So appreciate Tiffany coming on the podcast today. If you'd like to follow me on Instagram, you can find me at Money Nuts and Bolts. We post practical and uh, emotional money content on there on the regular. And uh, if you're enjoying the podcast, you can use the gap between seasons now to take three minutes to leave me a review on Apple Podcast. If you can have an Apple Podcast, uh, you're probably going to have several weeks to do this. 
uh, but it only is going to take three minutes. So take three minutes now and leave a review of the podcast. Let folks know what episode you enjoyed or what you like about the podcast. That helps other therapists to find the podcast and be part of these conversations. Thank you so much for listening and making the podcast the just the wonderful thing that it is. I love making it. Um, and I love hearing from you folks about the impact that it's having for you. And uh, we'll be together soon again uh, when season six comes out.